Job chapter 26. Then Job answered, How have you helped him who is without power? How have you saved the arm that has no strength? How have you counseled him who has no wisdom and plentifully declared sound knowledge? To whom have you uttered words whose spirit came out of you? The departed spirits tremble. Those beneath the waters and all that live in them, Sheol is naked before God, and Abaddon has no covering. He stretches out the north over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not burst under them. He encloses the face of his throne and spreads his cloud on it. He has described a boundary on the surface of the waters and to the confines of light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his rebuke. He stirs up, he stirs up the sea with his power, and by his understanding he strikes through Rehab, Rahab. By his spirit the heavens are garnished. His hand has pierced a swift serpent. Behold, those... Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. How small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? These are the comments to Job chapter 26. And now we are about to begin a very long speech. <laughs> the 17th of the book, and this one's by Job, and it's gonna go for six chapters. And uh, so up to this point, we've had, you know, all the twos and fro's a bunch of times. We got to the third round of speeches where, you know, Eliphaz spoke, Job replied, Zophar, uh, sorry, uh, Bildad, the second friend spoke, and this is Job's reply, and the third friend isn't going to speak. So the third round of speeches doesn't include the, th the third friend. Some people think he just kind of gave up. <laughs> he thought, Job's not listening to me, what's the point? And you know what, he might have been right. We don't know. But anyway, this is the beginning of Job's reply. And um, experts, you know, and, and who knows if they're really right, but they tend to think that this chapter is where Job begins to reply to Bildad. But as the speech goes along, it kind of morphs into a reply to all of them. So uh, we'll see what it contains. But there's a few interesting things in, in this speech. So he says in verse seven, she's talking about God. He says he stretches out the north over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. That's amazing. We know that the earth hangs on nothing. We know it's out there in space, just floating all by itself. And um, scientists don't even know what space actually is. And the word space is a good description for space because space is just space. It's just empty. Well, it's, you know, they don't even know if it's empty or not. <laughs> Anyway, scientists haven't figured it out. There's a lot of questions, but the fact is a long, long time ago in, the, in possibly the oldest book in the Bible, right here, Job said that the Lord hangs the earth on nothing. That's quite remarkable. And scientists are still trying to figure it out. In verse 12, he, he's talking about the Lord. He says, he stirs up the sea with his power and by his understanding, he strikes through Rahab. Now, um, we've been going through the Bible since, you know, Genesis chapter one. And when we were going through the book of Joshua, we met a woman called Rahab. And now it says he strikes through Rahab. So what's going on here? Well, this Rahab isn't the same Rahab 
that was in you know the early chapters of Joshua, Joshua one and two, where she Rahab was a woman who hid the spies, you know, in her house. She was an innkeeper in Jericho. But Rahab in the Bible seems to be a few things. Obviously, it's the woman. It's also figurative for the nation of Egypt. You know, like sometimes an animal or something is a symbol of a nation, like the bear, for example, that is sometimes a symbol for Russia or the eagle is sometimes a symbol for America. You know, that's in modern history. Well, Rahab in the Bible is sometimes a symbol for Egypt. Rahab is also a, a symbol or an idea representing a sea monster or a sea dragon. And I wondered as well whether it could be both of those things at the same time. It could be like, say, the idea of a principality that represented Egypt. In any case, that's exactly what the Lord did. When he brought the children out of Egypt, children of Israel out of Egypt, he destroyed the sea monster. He smashed Rahab. And if our understanding of where this comes in the Bible is correct, that hadn't happened yet. So the Lord, on one hand, has completely destroyed all our enemies, but on the but in this case, he was talking about something that hadn't happened yet. By his understanding, he strikes Rahab, which was Egypt. And uh, there's various websites um, that discuss that concept of what Rahab is in great detail. Finally, in verse 14, it says, These are just the outskirts of his ways. These are just a whisper of what we hear of him. By the thunder of his power, who can understand? So Job was starting to talk about how great God was. And then he says, you know, all these things I've just mentioned, you know, how he strikes through Rahab, Rahab, for example, or how he hangs the earth on nothing, for example. These are just a whisper. It's just the faintest little idea of what we have or what we know about God. And I think that's remarkable. And, um, you know, recently they've just launched this new telescope called the James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, there's a lot of controversy about the name. They're thinking of renaming it. But the fact is this new telescope is going to supersede the Hubble and it's going to see further into space than what they've ever seen before. And I just know it's going to show the glory of God in a whole new level. It's just a whisper of what we know of him. And these things are amazing. Some people have suggested that uh, all these ideas that are coming up are Babylonian myth stories. No, they're not Babylonian myth stories. And I want to close with this thought. So, you know, in, in ancient cultures, we, we sometimes come across these myth stories like the, um, you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh and things like that, other old stories. And there's some Babylonian myth stories which supposedly tell us how the world was created. And some people have suggested that Job and his friends were like, you know, the elements of those were coming into the Book of Job. And I'd like to say that's completely wrong. I found it really interesting when we were going through Genesis chapter 10, because in Genesis 10 and in some of the, a little bit earlier also in Genesis 5, it lists some of the people who lived after the creation and how long they lived. So for example, Adam lived 930 years. His son Seth lived 900 and something years. His son Enosh lived around about the time. They were living these long ages. If you get a Excel spreadsheet and you put them all down and you graph out like on a timeline, graph out how long they, they lived, you find out that their lives overlap a great deal because they're living so long. So you get down to um, Noah, for example, who's the, the guy that goes on the ark. Noah and Adam are not alive at the same time, but any number of people in between the two of them, um, were, you know, what I'm trying to say is that 
that there were huge amounts of people all the way through to Noah that lived at the same time of Adam. And those same amounts of people were all alive at the same time as Noah too. So right in the middle, for example, you could pick someone like Jared. Jared was alive at the same time as Adam. So he heard the stories firsthand of creation. What God did, he heard them firsthand. And Jared was alive at the same time as Noah and was able to pass on the stories to Noah. So Noah is hearing the stories of creation. He could have heard them from any number of people. Jared was one. And they are just a second version of the story. So, you know, with Chinese whispers, you can um, tell a story that goes around the room and by the time it gets back, it's quite different. But you might have had 10 or 20 people pass the story on. But when you tell a Chinese whisper, if you ask the second person down the line or the third person, the story is generally pretty much the same. And so we've got Noah here who's hearing the account of creation and it's only been passed on long from one person who heard it directly from the original person. And I just have to say that Job is living in the patriarchal period where he hears these stories of creation. He could have heard them directly from Noah. Of course, we don't know if he did. But the point that I'm trying to make is that Noah lived so long after the, after the ark event that he passed on his information to any number of people and potentially one of them could have been Job or to someone that then in turn passed it on to Job. Those are all possibilities. And um, some people have suggested these are all Babylonian myth stories. I think that's just rubbish because I think that, that even though this is so long ago from our perspective, Job lives only within a handful of tellings of the original story. He's in a very prime position to know the facts. And I think that's exactly why in this story, we see things like him talking about the Lord saying the Lord hangs the earth on nothing. He knows stuff. He's, he's heard it, not firsthand, but he's heard it from someone who, who's heard it from someone who's heard it from Adam. At least it's a, a huge possibility. And so I think the facts were far fresher in the mind of Job than what we would realize. Anyway, I think these, these chapters are interesting. And even though we can't be like super dogmatic about them, it just makes us think about the wonders of our God. And, and what else did our, these early people know that we don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll find out when we get to heaven one day. So Heavenly Father, thank you for Job. Thank you for the things he knew. And I thank you that even though he didn't have a Bible, he did have real faith and he clung on to you with real faith. Lord, may we also live, live with the same real faith that he had. In Jesus' name, amen.